0: Hi there, I'm Paul Irwin and welcome to the pros.com podcast where we discuss all of the relevant issues to help you succeed as a freelance translator or interpreter. We cover sales and marketing, translation techniques, cat tools, and much, much more. Find out more at anchor.fm slash pros. Hey there, Paul here. Welcome to episode 32 of the pros.com podcast. Don't forget to check out training.pros.com for our new courses. Well, today I'm talking to Bettina Roricht. Bettina is a freelance translator and coach based in England. Originally from North Germany, she translates from English and Portuguese into German, specializing in politics and the environment. Having worked as a freelance translator for over 21 years, Bettina is very familiar with all the stress and responsibilities that come with the territory. In addition to her career in translation, she started working as a coach about 10 years ago to help other translators deal with work-life balance and self-care issues, overcome internal barriers and be happier, more successful freelancers. In her spare time, she enjoys reading, dancing, singing, and chilling with her cats. She's also passionate about plant-based food, conservation, and generally saving the planet. Bettina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, great to have you here, Bettina, and um, really looking forward to the topic today, actually, imposter syndrome and perfectionism. its a, It's a really interesting one, definitely something a little bit different. We haven't done something quite like this one before, so I'm really looking forward to it. And um, well, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your career in languages. If you can uh, wind the clock back a few years and and tell us about where it all started, please.
1: Oh, I I would have to wind the clock back (laughs) quite. I've been uh, in this business for about 21 years. I mean, freelance translating. um, Yeah, I started about 21 years ago. And then about 10, 11 years ago, I also started coaching other freelance translators.
0: Okay, excellent. Excellent. So how did it all start for you? Was it was it something that was um sort of interest from from childhood or or someone inspired you or, or how did it how did it all start?
1: You mean the translation bit? Yes. It was just something I've always just um really liked languages and English in particular. So and and it was sort of the obvious the obvious thing for me to do. So yeah, I just um I just went for it and it was clear to me from a fairly early age on that was what I wanted to do and then I did it
0: okay excellent and and you said 21 years as a freelance translator so you didn't you didn't start out working for a company or did you have any corporate experience or you went straight into being a freelance translator
1: I did actually I did actually have a um, part-time job for the first I think Seven years where I was building my my, uh, translation business and five of those were in the translation agency, which has Uh, been quite helpful. Yeah.
0: Very helpful, I would imagine. Yes. Yes. Uh, So you built your business up part time until it got to that sort of tipping point where you said, right, I'm definitely good to go now.
1: Sort of. Yeah. Or maybe a little bit before then. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. What do you remember from those? those early years do you remember it being easy to get started do you remember it being a struggle do you do you sort of look back to the good old days or or are you much happier where you are now how, how do you see that
1: I think it was journey? quite a, sorry I think it was quite a struggle for me to be honest I found it quite difficult at first also to because you start out and I, I really I did, really didn't know you know, what niche to go to and where to specialize. And that only o- developed in, you know, over the years, really. Um, So I find it much easier. And I also enjoy working, you know, the working relationships with my clients much more now that everything's sort of settled and established. And uh, I know most of them personally as well. And weeded out the ones that I didn't want to work for. So yeah, I think I'm much, much happier now with, with it on the whole.
0: Yeah, what so what would you say to someone who if you can perhaps just take a, a moment to reflect back again and, and what would you say to someone who is who is starting out, if you could advise someone in terms of perhaps avoiding some of the the struggles that you had. I know you can't avoid all of them, but um what would you say to someone
1: getting I rather, started? The list is quite long of yeah, the things yeah. that I struggled with. I think probably not to to try and not get overwhelmed by or not to get to be too much in awe of, um, you know, the very successful translators or the ones that appear to know everything and have everything and do everything and just try and find your way in whichever way you feel is right for you. Like there's a lot of pressure on people to specialize from a very early time. Mm. And I think think, while I think it's a good idea to specialize, you know, it, maybe it's just not something you're very clear about from the start, or you might want to try and stay open to a few things, try them out. So yeah. to to yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, get advice from more more seasoned translators, but also to yeah, just try and trust your own instincts and what what feels right for you.
0: Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, well, let's. In fact, before we jump into um, the topic, um, please tell us a little bit more about. About you, about your background, you've got a wonderful accent, so tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you're living and and um, and that sort of thing, please.
1: Oh thank you. <laughs> that's uh, very kind of you. Um, I'm from um, the north of Germany, um, originally, from a place that probably nobody knows. It's very rural. It's the sort of the little bit of land between the Baltic Sea and the North Sea. Um yep. and I now live in Lancaster, which is in the northwest of England, sort of between Manchester and the Lake District. And I've been here for roughly five years. Yeah, but under five years.
0: Very and then in, good. in Very between, good.
1: I've moved about a bit.
0: Yeah. Excellent, excellent. All right. Well, thanks for that, Bettina. So let's let's start talking then about imposter syndrome and and we can sort of uh, talk a little bit about perfectionism as well, which I think is um somewhat related in in some ways. so 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 what is imposter syndrome all about
1: imposter syndrome is as as the name suggests is a is a syndrome where or a pattern of of thinking or feeling maybe you could say um where you feel you're an imposter like you're you're constantly having self-doubt and you feel you often you feel like a fraud like um yeah you only pretend for example, as a translator, you're only pretending to be a translator and exactly. you're going to be found out and this can cause a lot of stress. And it's 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 irrational and I'm I'm not saying that to be mean, but it's it's um just to underline the discrepancy between what you know to be true and what you actually feel like. Like even if you have a degree in translation or you've got lots of experience or, or lots of great testimonials, and that sort of rationally objectively prove you actually know what you're talking about and you're well qualified, you might still believe you're only pretending.
0: Yeah. So this feeling of of not being good enough, of not really being um of of not really being qualified enough.
1: Yeah. Despite I mean, the facts.
0: So, yes. so thinking that other people are better than you.
1: That, that as well, but also the, the, the strong feeling of just being a fraud. Of, and also if you then have like a fantastic achievement, you just think, oh, I was just lucky and I'm not, you know, you just, you, um, you talk things down. And, it's, yep. and, it's, and yep. it's really tricky because, yeah, because of this discrepancy, because you actually know it's not true, but the objective proof doesn't help you get rid of it.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. Okay, so how many people, do you have any idea how many people this might affect?
1: Oh, I'm not sure in terms of numbers, but I think it's quite, quite common. I do know that it's more common amongst women. I do know that even very, very successful people struggle with it. For example, um, Kate Winslet, you know, very famous um, award-winning actress, she struggles yeah. with imposter syndrome and she's, you know, openly talked about this. Um, and yeah. it's, apparently it's becoming more um, common amongst young people for, for different reasons. I would imagine also because of, um, because of social media. You know, because you're you're also constantly comparing yourself to other people's perfect lives or successful careers or great achievements, which obviously is only, you know, part of the, the truth. But, you know, it kind of feeds into this feeling of, you know, you're only, you're only pretending because, because imposter syndrome often comes with a very, yeah, with black and white thinking. You know, you're either com- perfect at what you do or it's completely worthless and you're just, you're just pretending
0: yeah 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 i mean I, I do imagine that it affects a lot of people to some degree i think i think it's one of those things where some people can be very affected and some people can be a little bit affected but i think in terms of actually affecting lots of people i think i think it probably does affect a lot of people so that's what, one of the reasons i think it's a, a wonderful topic bettina so yeah
1: yeah I, I agree. I mean I I've, I've worked with a lot of um translators who struggle with um perfectionism which is which is sort of a symptom um of imposter syndrome and I think that is really quite common amongst translators and it's also really difficult in our line of work because what is it you know what is a perfect translation it is never perfect you know it's never quite finished because you can always, you can always do more, you know, you can always check it again, you can always yeah, yeah. Um, do some more research. So it's, it's very, very hard to, to say, oh, no, this is, you know, even, even objectively, this is perfect, this is done, this is, you know, the best it can be.
0: I think that perfectionism holds many people back. Yeah. Um, I think it just doesn't work with a practical business, for example. Like no. I think about it in terms of client satisfaction. Now we all aim to to have one hundred percent satisfied clients, but I think if yes. you look at a lot of businesses, they'll be happy with ninety five percent or something like that. They would sort of accept that there is there are going to be unhappy clients for time to time, from time to time, for whatever reason. Now, as a freelancer, you're less likely to want to accept that because you're doing the work yourself. So it's different when you're running a business and certain things are outside of your control right
1: yeah absolutely and it is and i mean perfectionism isn't even about just making the client happy i mean i mean i think we all of us we strive for perfection in the sense of we want like you said we want our clients to be happy but that's not that's not strictly perfectionism you know perfectionism means you're just trying to achieve completely unattainable goals. And so you're constantly frustrated and stressed because it's just not not doable. And also you're sort of, it may not even be what your client thinks is perfect. You know, what you think is perfect might be much more than what your client really needs. So often we're so focused on on avoiding making mistakes and doing everything perfectly, you know, if you're a perfectionist, that we're not really in tune with our clients and their side of, you know, of the whole thing and their yeah. view.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the thing with perfectionism is that you are one step or one mistake away from obviously not having something that is perfect. And that's very likely to happen. So you're kind of setting yourself up to fail constantly, yeah,
1: which, are, yeah. which
0: causes that frustration that you've, that you've mentioned.
1: Yeah, and it's, it is very, very stressful. You know, if you consider yourself a, a complete failure if you make a slight mistake. And from my, you know, from my experience working in a translation agency, I can I can only say, every, you know, I was I was um one of my tasks was to check translations before we send them out to the client, and every yeah. single translation had a mistake in it, and that was completely normal, and that was you know that was acceptable, you know, it's just normal. But if you, if you think that anything less than perfect is a failure, it's just so much stress. And it can actually lead, if you, if you have that stress all the time, it can actually lead to lots of mental health issues as well and, you know, yeah. prolonged stress and even burnout or depression. So it is quite, it's quite a serious thing.
0: So do you think, do you think translators are, are somehow taught, programmed, educated to be perfectionists? Or do you think it's the type of person who is a perfectionist, then goes on to become a translator?
1: I th- yeah, I think the latter probably. I don't. I don't know. I don't have any numbers on this, yeah, but from my, sure. judging from my experience, I also think that that what makes you a perfectionist or what sort of sets you up for imposter syndrome is imposter syndrome is often quite quite an old pattern of behaviour that you've picked up somewhere along the way, maybe maybe even while you were growing up and for example i mean this is just one example obviously there can be lots of different causes but if you sort of if you felt while growing up that you were given lots of love and attention when you had great achievements and successes then and and you were you know you did something perfectly then not doing it perfectly was sort of dangerous so you kind of what you learn from that subconsciously is mistakes aren't safe and and that that sticks with you and so you you could look at perfectionism and imposter syndrome also as a, a sort of like a safety mechanism. So trying to so that your imposter syndrome might be trying to protect you from making a mistake because that means protecting you from rejection or disappointment or whatever it is, something painful. And and the same with perfectionism as well. And but the you know the downside of this obviously is that we deprive ourselves of lots of opportunities because often people will you know if a, if a great opportunity comes up like a work opportunity an interesting new client which feels sort of daunting and slightly out of your comfort zone what you're well qualified for and you might not go for it because you feel i might not be doing a perfect job by my standards my perfectionist standards so yeah wow there's we a use... lot of great
0: stuff in there bettina yeah yeah i t- I, I totally agree Um, Well, I think it's all great, but I I really um, picked up on on that last point about missing those opportunities. And I think that that is true, because I think a lot of translators are very focused on quality, even though, as you said, every translation pretty much has um, at least one mistake in it. Um, But I think that that perfectionism can lead people to believe that they can't do things that they actually could do to the client's satisfaction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which is
0: something that you mentioned earlier, like what is the client actually looking for? So then I would argue if you don't help that client out, then you're actually doing them a disservice instead of taking on the job and doing it to the best of your ability. So there is, I mean, there is a kind of fine line there and I wouldn't want to be seen to, from my personal point of view, to encourage people to take on jobs that they're not capable of doing. But the other side is that you should not turn down a job through that fear if yeah. if you are qualified to do it
1: yeah yeah absolutely and but I this think is I'll... all
0: based on feelings rather than, yeah rather than an objective analysis so no one no one's going to come along to you and say actually well you you are actually qualified to 93 percent to do that job it's it's up to you to decide and that's the difficult part if you don't feel if you have that fear or that lack of confidence or that yeah. perfectionism
1: and often people are really i mean on a rational level they are aware that they can do it but they don't that you know they don't feel they're up to it so i think it's very very important to you know, um, and I think both perfectionism and imposter syndrome—they sort of pop up sometimes, especially when we when we're in that sort of situation, slightly out of our comfort zone. And then they pop up and try and pull you back to where it's safe, where you can't make a mistake, where you can't, you know, risk anything. You can't risk, you know, if you don't write to that client, they can't reject you, so you're safe. Um, to to acknowledge, okay, here's my imposter. You can, you might, I mean, you can even you can even turn them into like a character who turns up to keep you safe. And you can say, okay, right, here's my imposter syndrome again. Here's my perfectionism. I know why they're there. They're just trying to protect me. Um, but to just acknowledge this is just one pattern of thinking and it's not the truth and you know that. And to then from that, from that place to try and not let that hold you back. I mean, it's yes. easier said than done, but yeah. you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 it is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think one thing that, that, that helps me has helped me over the years is to look at the facts. So facts reveal the truth of a situation to some degree or to a large degree, right? So if you, for example, if you analyze your sales figures or your revenue and and, and you say, well, you know, I'm only going to set, take on certain jobs, the perfectionist approach, and then you look at your, your sales figures. And then if you actually have an active change in approach, And say, well, actually, I am going to take on these other jobs now and I'm going to keep a record of everything that happened. And I'm going to record what that does for my business, obviously, based on what I want to achieve, which is for a lot of people is more clients, but not necessarily for everyone. But if that were the case, then you might set out on that on that path of becoming a bit more open to new opportunities in order to increase your sales. But you might also, at the same time, keep a record of those clients and keep some kind of diary to analyze the facts of of what happened. So if you have a fear of overstretching yourself and doing something wrong, then actually analyze the facts and see if that that happened. I think that might be one way of looking at it does that does that make sense to you Bettina or, or it, it, really? it
1: makes sense but I, I would I would imagine that you're you don't struggle with imposter syndrome just based on what you just said is that true <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> um I've had I've had my challenges over the years I think it's I think it's been a I think for me it's been a you know I've been working now for about 24 years I think it's been a an evolution I think I lacked a lot of confidence in my mm. my earlier days I think I've I've just grown over time as a as a professional I've picked up new skills over the pro- as a as a professional over those years and that helps me to to deal with with that imposter syndrome that I certainly have had to some degree you Yeah. Know, when I when I ran a business you know I would always think that perhaps I wasn't as successful as I I, I could be even though I was very successful so it's that that thing about looking at the facts is something that I tried to use as a as a tool. Yeah. Um, because because yeah, some sometimes you like you said you you might compare yourself to other people as well. I never really had that that issue. I've always tried. I, I think that was interesting what you ma- mentioned about comparisons. But I think I think you need to compare yourself with other people in in order to inspire yourself and not to get. You know, down that social media rabbit hole of thinking, but yeah, no, I, d- I definitely have had, I, I definitely have had um, issues with that. With the perfectionism, I would say not so much. Um, I have tried to adopt a, pr- a practical approach that says mm. that there will always. I always believe, you know, and I always try and do things right, and I've always tried to do things right in my businesses. But I, I believe that there is a there. It is a fact that that any business operating efficiently will make a mistake so if you're let's say um let's say bmw you know so a sort of high-end car manufacturer well it's a fact that not that occasionally bmw is going to come out with a, a car model that's not that successful and within any of its cars some of them are going to be faulty to some degree that's just a fact yeah right as with any other car car manufacturer just to pick that that random example but if but if bmw were to say well we really need to strive to be perfect and have a hundred percent and never have anyone return a car for a guarantee or anything faulty then i mean first of all they would never get to a hundred percent right and increasing their rate of perfection however that is measured from something that I imagine is quite good like let's say 95 okay to 99.8 which might be possible because they would never get to 100 but going from that 95 to that 99.8 would require so many additional resources that it just wouldn't be practical as a business so that's Mm. kind of how I yeah that's kind of how I think of it
1: yeah I th- I think the um the difference is that um if you if you have like severe imposter syndrome you do you do know that rationally and you still think of yourself as a fraud you know you you can still think of yourself. I can, I can give you an example from, from, um, from my career. Um, I tried. Um, I started to work for a sort of like a high-end client that I was slightly in awe of. And, and ev- for the first few years, seriously, the first few years, every time I finished and send in a jo- sent in a job, I thought, okay, that's it. I'm going to be found out, they're going to read this text, they're going to know yeah. I'm, I'm only pretending to be a translator, which is, you know, ludicrous. I had a yeah. degree, yeah. I had like seven years of experience, I, I, they tested me, I passed the test, and I had all the facts, and I knew all this, and I still felt like this. So, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there, there is, I mean, there is sort of self. Um self-doubt, that is sort of healthy, I think. And, I, and and it's good to look at the facts. And I agree with you, you know, the, the looking at facts and what is, you know, what you can reasonably expect of yourself. I just, I'm just not sure that has, if you really, really think you're a fraud, that won't have that much effect.
0: Okay, no, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so once again, you, you say so many great things, Bettina, I love this. Thank so you. that thing about self-doubt being healthy I totally agree with that. So, if you're completely overconfident, um, sure of everything, then I don't think that's a, a recipe for success. I think it's good to have a certain degree of confidence, but it's, it, that, it's that degree of self doubt that enables you to check things correctly, for example. Yeah. Um, and strive to that perfectionism. The problem is, you can't necessarily choose exactly where you want to be on the scale right
1: (laughs) no that would be that would be great
0: yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah that would be great yeah yeah. so just set the dial to sort of you know 95 and and leave it there or whatever but you can't you can't do that so okay well i i think i think we've we've talked enough to establish that that this is very real that this affects lots of people and that lots of people have issues with imposter syndrome or with perfectionism and and of those people who are listening i think a lot of people We'll be able to say, "Yeah, actually, it does affect me, and I wish it weren't quite like that, and I'd love to be able to deal with it a little bit more effectively and and believe in myself in the case of imposter syndrome, and to be able to let's say manage a balance in terms of perfectionism so yeah. so what I'd like to do now, Bettina, is kind of shift the focus to to listening to some of your your tips on this. If, if someone okay. identifies with either of those, and perhaps we should perhaps we should take them separately, I don't know it's up to you, imposter syndrome and perfectionism, but it's either to take them separately or all kind of together but what 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 advice can we or can you give to people who identify with all of the great stuff you've been saying so far?
1: I think um first of all, if you feel like um it's causing you because this these are things that can be really really serious and and even if you know it's not based on anything real, it does feel quite real. you know your fears are real um so if if you if it causes you like panic attacks or it completely just stops you from doing your work or living your life, then obviously seek professional help so yep. I mean obviously yep. that is that is um yep. always an option and um, I think also to to um you know what I've already um mentioned before, um, to always acknowledge that this is just a pattern of thinking or a pattern of behaviour that probably made sense when you you know, when you adopted it along the way, maybe have a think a little think about why that was so you can sort of Yeah, make a distinction between yourself and the reality and this thing that is imposter syndrome or perfectionism, because even though it feels very real, you know, it's not based on facts. So, so when it, you know, when it happens to just, okay, to see, okay, right, this is happening again you know, I know I have this, I know we will deal with this, but I'm not going to let it stop me. That's one thing you can do. And I mean, and it is very persistent. So this is not something you can just decide to get rid of, and then it'll be gone. It just takes a while. What you can also do, I think, um, what has helped me is like work with affirmations, because very often these things pop up in your head, and they're the same thoughts again and again, like, Oh, no, I can't do this. I'm not qualified. I'm going, I'm a fraud, whatever, whatever it is for you. And then turn that into some, um, like a positive thing that you would like to believe or that you also know to be true. For example, I mean, not make it something completely OTT, like, um, oh, I'm a perfect translator and everything I do is is ace. And, you know, you don't, you won't, you wouldn't believe that. It's just, you know, but something like... um, um, I'm a qual- I'm qualified translator, I have X, Y, Z, years of experience. I'm very conscientious and I'm always learning so I can get even better. Something like that. Whatever, you know, play around with it a little bit. This will also depend on what negative self beliefs pop up in your head and in situations where you, you know, where you go outside your comfort zone and then play around with it a little bit and play with that. Another thing um, could be, you know, for perfectionism. Um, and striving to do everything perfect to, to decide, okay, what is, you know, like, um what is actually perfect for my client? So, you know, talk to your client and see what they expect. And, and then maybe also put down some, some ground rules for yourself, you know, because you, you only have a limited amount of energy and, and you can ask yourself, With every task, every job or every small task, how much energy do I want to actually spend on this? And is this really something I have to give 110% to? Because if you're constantly trying to be, it's just, it's exhausting.
0: And then Mm -hmm. you can, Mm
1: -hmm. like, if you work, say you work for a translation agency and you know they have really, really good quality control, you can say, okay, I know they're going to check this. Maybe I don't have, I don't have to do three rounds of checking. You know, so for mm. example, and then just decide and stick with that. If it's like a um, a very high end um, direct client and it's going straight into print, you might have different rules. You know, you might have um, someone, some a colleague who prove things for you, or just you know. So you have these rules that you can then stick to. Yeah, those would. I mean, that yeah, those would be my main yeah, pieces yeah. of advice.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. I like to, I like to think in terms of a process and if you can design a process that works f- for you, then you stick to that process Yeah. and go with that. So that process, like you said, it might be working with a colleague to revise some of your work. It might be taking a break and then revising it yourself. Um, perhaps once, um, you know, whatever that process is, I would, I think that the process is, is important. So kind of, I'm I I'm a believer in follow the process and the results will come, kind of way of thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, just some more general um, advice would be to, um, yeah, to, to like I said, to not not only tune in with your clients' needs and wishes, but also to maybe approach the whole thing from a place of curiosity. Like if you get a job, not think. Oh no! I'm going to make a mistake. And or try, you know, try not to think that, or maybe try and think, oh, what can I learn from this job? You know, just see, uh, just look at the whole thing as a learning process as well. It doesn't have to be perfect by your standards, because, you, because your standards will be, you know, very, very high, and probably unattainable. And also to to be really. I know it's really frustrating if you, because, you know, I have suffered from both imposter syndrome and um, perfectionism. It can be really frustrating and you can get really angry with yourself to, to try and just, you know, be kind and compassionate when you deal with your imposter syndrome and, you know, and your perfectionism because it is a part of you and it, you, you don't want to fight a part of you. So whatever you do, you know, be patient with it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And, and I think it, that goes back to something that you said earlier as well about this um, this being something that you you've developed over many years in many cases. So you can't just flick a switch and, and change no. things. You have to kind of understand yourself, as you said. I like that bit about sort of thinking about why your your way of thinking might have developed that way over time, and and that there was a reason for it at a particular time, but that's not necessarily going to serve you well for the rest of your career.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. And and maybe it also helps to, um, I think I've mentioned this, to think that, you know, often we think, okay, but I want to do perfect. I want to, these are my kind of my stunts. I want to be perfect. But if it's if it's so OTT um, that it stresses you, you're not going to do really well, really your best work. when you're in a, you know in a state yeah, of constant yeah. stress, uh, that's not serving you, and it's not serving your clients either. To you know to remind yourself of that as well.
0: I think that's that's a that's a nice link. If you can if you can make that that link. Really, and understand that 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 neither of these imposter syndrome or, or perfectionism, if, if they are taken to an extreme, then they're not going to they're not going to help. They're not going to help you, and they're not going to help your clients. So, surely that's not what anyone wants to achieve. You want to have a nice balanced approach yourself, and you want to deliver the best results for your clients, right? So, if yeah. you can identify mm-hmm. that that is holding you back, as I would say, anything in your your life or your your business if you're able to identify that it's not the ideal approach then then if you can think about how to change it then that's then that's going to be a step in the right direction
1: yeah i agree yeah
0: yeah wonderful wonderful well i'm really enjoying this patina it's like um very a very worthwhile conversation Uh, so i think we've been we've been through a little bit on what imposter syndrome is and perfectionism and, and a couple of um a couple of possible solutions i i think this really i think it really brings us towards the end of 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 today's podcast i think we've we've covered quite a lot but i would like to give you a couple of minutes if you feel that there's something that we haven't covered and um and just to uh and 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 then just to sort of wrap it up your your final thoughts please
1: actually i think we've covered it pretty much excellent i think yeah i think we've covered all the main points and yeah, I think I think it also, also always helps to um, to just um, talk to colleagues and you know you or someone you trust you know whether that's a, a you know d- depending on the degree and how much time you want to spend tackling it or addressing it to um, get the help of a, a therapist or a coach. But you can just also just talk to to a friend and. And a colleague, and sometimes it's very reassuring just to share your experience and just to see how many people struggle with this Uh, people you would have never expected it, Um, and that in itself Mm -hmm. can help as well.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. All right, Bettina, well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate your time and such a great topic and wonderfully explained. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Brilliant. All right, take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, really great, really fantastic interview with Bettina. I hope you enjoyed that one. Don't forget to check out training.pros.com for details of what Bettina will be doing with pros.com and also all of our other training courses, some new ones on there. So well worth taking a look at training.pros.com. Thanks so much for listening. All
1: the very best. Have a fantastic week and until next time. Bye-bye.